This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by ActorRated.com, the internet's only place to find ratings and reviews for headshot photographers, acting classes, and more. See what other actors are talking about and recommending. To learn more, visit ActorRated.com. Episode 67 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Elgott. And on this podcast, we interview actors, directors, writers, managers, agents, casting directors, authors sometimes, uh, voiceover artists, anyone involved in the entertainment industry, and package it up into this little podcast and hopefully put it somewhere on the internet for you to find. Good luck with that part of it. <laughs> Oh, it's funny because this is true. <laughs> uh, yes, and if you do happen to find one of these podcasts, uh, uh, you, we're just two dudes with a podcast, so so we don't pretend to know everything. We don't pretend to have a a system or some sort of you know gospel for you to follow in order to ensure acting career success. So if if you hear something on this podcast that we're talking about, and maybe we slant one way or the other that you disagree with. Uh, or that you agree with. Get in touch with us. There's a million ways to, to, to be in touch with us. You can call, you can email, you can tweet, you can Facebook, you can do all of that. And uh, you can start uh, by going to InsideActingPodcast.com. And uh, on this episode, we've got a really interesting interview with uh, somebody by the name of Joe Wilson, who uh, Trevor uh, had the, uh, the pleasure of interviewing. Um, and I love this story because it, it really just was born out of this really interesting article that you found, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was an article on FilmCourage.com about how he did not make his Kickstarter goal and still made a kick-ass web series that's got a cult following. Yeah, and so. the same week that Trevor actually laid down the interview, uh, he had an article written about him on, what was it, Huffington Post or NPR? Yeah, yeah I think it was like Huffington that. Post, yeah. So, um, obviously, making, making waves. So, uh, look forward to that. So we're back. So Lucy, we got some splaining to do. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and just just get this out there, so everybody uh, who may not have seen our tweets or any of that um, knows what's going on. So I mean, the, the the video it went into our feed. So if you're subscribed to the podcast, you saw that. And I know a lot of people uh, have seen that. Can we? Just, is it possible to distill this down in a way that's not? supremely boring and takes forever <laughs> yeah let's let's give it a shot so basically what happened is the service that we use to host this podcast discontinued support of direct mp3 uploads forcing us to redirect ourselves to another service the problem with that is when you have a feed that's already kind of being automatically updated in itunes and all the other feed readers uh if you'd redirect that feed it can sometimes cause some problems because maybe the redirect tool on the initial server's website doesn't work the way they advertise it would work. Or maybe the people you're going to aren't very helpful at all with their technical support. Or maybe uh, there's some sort of weird code stuff somewhere that somebody's not willing to explain to you. So uh, basically, uh, we've been trying like hell to figure out what's going on. Um, and when we uploaded that video to uh, the old feed, 
quote unquote old feed and it showed up in iTunes, we were like, we just threw our hands up. We were like, what, what the hell? I, I don't even know what's going on <laughs> because we, we bought new service. We bought servers. We redirected things. We, we did all sorts of stuff exactly the way they told us to and nothing worked. So, uh, here we are, uh, um, as if it several, wasn't already several. difficult enough to produce your own podcast, putting in yeah. time and money and everything to do that. Then like, I don't know. It just felt like the internet hated us. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And uh, it's it's. I was sitting here trying not to laugh too much because every time you said maybe just now, all those things actually happened. Oh yeah, no, yeah, very Uh, much. (laughs) Trevor was like, maybe this happened, maybe this happened. No, everything he just said maybe to is actually what happened. So yeah, by uh, maybe I mean definitely did occur, (laughs) transpire, (laughs) transpire. Uh, Yes. Uh, so so we're working on it still. So we, we really apologize for, for any hiccups that may still occur. Uh, but we we think we found a temporary workaround to get these episodes to you uh, in the same feed that you are already subscribed to in iTunes. And if anything changes or if you feel like we're awfully quiet for some reason, send us a tweet. We'll be happy to tell you what's going on. Uh, check out our website. Uh, you can send us an email. You can call us. And we're happy to kind of tell you where things are. But we think we're in the home stretch of getting things ironed out right now. Yeah, knock on wood. I, yeah, right. I have been uh, quite flattered by the number of tweets and emails and Facebook posts and stuff. I feel like we we're getting at least you know three plus correspondence per day of people saying like, "Hey, when's the next episode coming out?" and everything. So we really appreciate it. We're glad you guys are, are listening. We're glad you're caught up in the podcast to where you're you know hungering for. Is that a word? Hungering? Hungering? Hung, hung, hungering, hungering games? Hungering sure. games? Hungry for new content, um, and and we want to deliver it to you. And so we're going to do it any way we can, come hell or high water. So if you haven't listened to episode 66, for instance, that uh, was on our website. We're going to try and get it into the feed. Same with this one. Um, and, you know, going forward, we're just going to have to find uh, a new solution. But, the you know, uh, one of the big issues is we want to find an, an elegant way to move all, you know, the thousands and thousands of subscribers that we have to that new that new yeah. feed because so, if we if we just kind of throw up our hands and start a brand new one then it's like we have to figure out how to make sure everybody resubscribes to exactly. it exactly that's, that that's be, really the crux of the whole issue yeah that can be a yeah. huge pain for us and you guys so yeah. cool so that's that's what's going on with the delay uh but what is going on in your world dude a lot. Actually. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'm I know you said you wanted to try to distill this, but you got like five or six kind of uh, yeah. big pieces of news. There's a lot of uh, irons in the fire, uh, if you will. So I'm going to um, kind of belay some of it to our next episode um, and just talk about the big news. Good use of the word belay. Thank by you, the way. sir. Thank you. Yeah. So the big news, uh, the big one that I definitely want to tell everyone about because it it will kind of affect. Um, the podcast moving forward too is I, I booked a job. Um, I, I booked a job at uh, Theater Works, which is a uh, fairly well-known Lort Theater in the Bay Area of California. Uh, it's actually located in Palo Alto. A very, like I said, a very well-known theater, uh, regional theater. They do uh, Lort B and Lort C contracts. We've talked about uh, Lort on the podcast before, the League of Regional Theaters, and the varying degrees of, of uh, contracts. There's Lort A, B, C, and D. Um, and, uh, this is the first time in, gosh, I want to say three or four years that I've legitimately been paid to act. Like I've made like a, you know, 50, hundred bucks here and there doing, you know, short films and whatnot. Like, you know, we've talked about, for instance, with, uh, Mark Gant and, 
what do you call it? Value perception. You have like a name for this, right? Where you say like, if if you if you're gonna do a short film for somebody or something like that, you you just oh, ask for a hundred bucks. Yeah. Do I have a word for it? I don't know. I think I heard you call it like value perception at one. That point. sounds good. I, I think that's cool. a it's a good way to makes me sound smart. <laughs> you are smart, I like Trevor. It. I don't care what our listeners no. <laughs> say about you. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you're fired. <laughs> Wait, what? How? Did, oh, boo. Okay. See you later, guys. Um, no, so uh, I'm I'm going to be playing Lenny in Of Mice and Men, um, which is actually a role that I've always wanted to play. So imagine that. I, I never thought I'd get an opportunity to do that, but um, this uh, this opportunity came up. I knew the casting director. She's the one who, who called me in, uh, Julia Flores. She's been uh, very, very kind to me over the years and called me in for a lot of different stuff. And I remember one time she even sent my manager an e- email saying, we're going to find something for him. I just know it. So That's cool. So we did. We did. We found something for me. So um, I'm very, very excited. I have to relocate from Los Angeles for a couple of months, which is why I was saying it's going to uh, kind of affect the podcast a little bit. We, we're still going to try and record uh, or work on the podcast while I'm up there. Uh, it might actually be the op- the perfect opportunity for us to figure out this whole uh, feed situation that we were just uh, discussing. But, uh, but that's my big news. I get, there's a lot of other stuff kind of going on. Uh, in my world, but but that's the big that's the big one. That's cool. But what's really cool about the story is that you got this gig directly from a relationship you've built over the years. It's not like some random thing happened and you just got you know quote unquote lucky. Like this is a thing you've been working towards, and you've you've built a body of work with this person that they trust you, they believe in you, they're a fan of yours, and then bam, you get this awesome gig up in San Francisco for two months. Yeah, getting paid a nice uh, a nice day rate for two months yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be pretty sweet i'm i'm very excited they they put you up this theater's been around for like 40 years so you know they have a lot of resources and they they put you up and and they give you a rental car and uh i'm just i'm just so excited to 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 be able to say for two months that that is my career you know it is my job when i get up in the morning i and i and i get showered and i and i get ready for my day i i will know that i am going to work to be an actor. Like, it's going to be my job. It's going to be a good feeling. Dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very good feeling. That's great. Very good feeling. Cool. Um, so I'm super stoked about that. Um, what's going on yes. with you, man? Not a ton, to be honest, man. I mean, um, I just got back from Seattle a couple days ago for, for taking a, a little break. I think we talked about this in the last episode, but I, I realized last year that I barely took any vacations. Mm-hmm. And this year, I wanted to at least every three months take a long weekend, at least somewhere outside of L.A., yeah. So I'm not talking about like, you know, go to Venice for a long weekend. I mean like <laughs> unless it's Venice, Italy, you know. I mean, <laughs> there you go. So uh, you know, the first one just happened to happen in early February, but it was really pretty cool. And um I need it because you know, to be honest, man, I'm feeling a little I felt really recharged when when we came back from the holiday break. And that lasted about three or four days, and then all of a sudden I was like just kind of in a shoulder shrugging mood again. And I was talking and to another actor like friend. It hits you like a ton of bricks. It man. does. It does. It's and so it's so crazy. It, it, it's almost like depressing. Like yeah, I, we, we I, never talked about the retreat, like what, how we felt sort of coming home from that. Yeah. Um, it was really great. Yeah. We had like such, such great energy coming back from that. And like you said, it, it, it really can last you just like a week or less. And yeah. all of a sudden LA just like smacks you in the head with like a, sock full of quarters or something yeah it was it's tough i mean i like i said i've I've almost felt like depressed you know because i we were up at you know beautiful san francisco in the hills above beautiful san francisco then i was in seattle learning about all this 
rich history and seeing all these beautiful sites right there in the bay. And then, you know, you come back to Santa Monica and it's like, Santa Monica's gorgeous, but Santa Monica's gorgeous. But when I, you know, drove to shoot uh, an episode of a web series with a friend last night, I was driving through Hollywood and I was like, this place is hideous. <laughs> this is an ugly city, man. And I, you know, it's I don't all think glitz and glamour yeah. on, the, uh, on the big screen. But. <laughs> I don't think I would normally think that, but I just been in this headspace of just like, you know, just, just doubting things and questioning things and, you know, being the age that I am now and wondering, you know, how much longer I'll be going through the motions or when things are going to kick, you know, the, the, the typical thoughts that any sane person would think after kind of being in this industry for eight, nine, ten years. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, um, it's a weird place to be because it's, uh, it's a little scary because I'm starting to ask like the hard questions, you know, like, all right, I'm not getting any younger, you know, life's not getting any longer. How is this going to work with what I want to do with the future? Like, I want a family. I want to start looking at buying a, a house and putting a down payment there somewhere. I want to be closer to my family. You know, all those things that, that come into play when I think when you come to the turn of a decade. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I It's so funny that you mentioned the idea of a, a family, too, because, you know, we were just talking before we started recording about how, you know, <clears throat> actors these days, because of just the way that the industry works and, and the... Uh, amount of of money we we most of us tend to make uh actors these days have to find a secondary career like you can't just make acting your your only source, source of income, of, source of yeah. income. so yeah. you have to do something else so then it becomes like okay well what is that other thing going to be is it going to stay you know be flexible enough so that i can have an acting career um and and then am i going to be uh quote unquote making enough money as it were in order to do the things like getting a house or, you know, having a family and, and that kind of stuff. I've been thinking about it too. And I, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm much younger than you are, but I, I, if, you know, if you ask me, I think we're in the same sort of like bracket of, oh, sure, of yeah. life, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, I totally feel you. Let me ask you a question though, <clears throat> because Robert Clotworthy, when we get to hit the second part, part of his interview, he, he, he touches on this a little bit and talks about finding this, but what keeps you passionate see what i was keeps, I, what keeps you after it what keeps you in love with it i was just going to talk about i was just going to bring this up with you i was going to say that it's interesting because my reasons for for and i don't even think of myself as an actor anymore i mean i even changed my twitter bio that's what a big deal this is people i changed my twitter bio to say that i'm a creative type because i don't think of myself as exclusively as an actor i just mm-hmm. think of myself as kind of an, an artist and i think that's has a little bit of a hoity-toity connotation with it sometimes but that's the way i see it um and those reasons for being creative have changed a lot, you know, over the years. I think at first it it was very ego driven and now it's, it's, it's a much kind of quieter, more patient, uh, more authentic place that, that, that impulse comes from. And I don't, I don't need it the way I used to. I still need it in my life, but for very different reasons. Does that make sense? You still need acting in your life? Is that what you're I still need creativity in my life. Right. Uh, acting is a really, uh, a really specific and uh, intimate form of expression that I that I really enjoy. Um, but the reasons that I got into it no longer exist for me right now. Hmm. Now it's more about like having an authentic experience. Just in my experience of life. I don't, I don't divide my life into like work and side jobs and personal life and acting right now. It's all just one big experience. And I'm looking for authenticity as much as possible 
in my life. And I've started to kind of figure out how to get there in acting a little bit. But I've also simultaneously started to figure out how to get there in my life, especially through doing things like The Artist's Way. And so it's like, well, if I can get there in my life, I don't need it so much in acting anymore. I really enjoy it and I really love doing it, but it's not like this burning fire, desperation kind of thing. And on one level, I think that really works to my advantage because, you know, you go into the room and if you're not like, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, I need this, you know, it's like your, your nervousness goes away. Your anxiety goes away. There's just this kind of peace that you walk in with, at least I, I hope. And, um, that can really set you apart. I think from, from a lot of actors who are still, or maybe are just at a different place where they're they're a little right. bit it's more. Like the casting directors, directors, and producers can all smell the yeah the and, want. And 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 I'm not saying wanting something is bad, not at all. Um, I'm just saying that like you know I want it in a very different, much quieter way now. I'm happy for you if uh, if you are happy. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of like the calm, the peace, the quiet. I like the idea of finding passion for life as opposed to passion for an acting career. There's something very um, zen about that. Well, it kind of comes full circle to what Mark Atterbury was saying. You know, good acting is autobiography. And I love that because acting to me isn't really acting anymore. It's just kind of being as authentic in that moment as you possibly can Hmm. in the context of the story. Right. And so on that... I think you're going to start booking like mad. (laughs) I'm serious. If you go into every room and every audition and every role thinking that way... Oh my goodness! Well, you know, how many, you know, we, we you know how long see. it takes for some actors to kind of get there, and we've heard that from so many of the actors who have come on the show. We've heard a very uh, similar play on that idea from a lot of different people: J.K. Mm. Simmons and Neil Neil McDonough, and you know, a lot of these successful actors that we brought on have talked about the idea of um, authenticity. Even you know, Robert Clotworthy talked about like you know, knowing who you are first and how important that is before you can you know really hope to to do anything else to accomplish yeah. anything else yeah i don't know man maybe you're being blessed with that maybe, right now. maybe. we we will see um <laughs> i you know i shot this this web series of the night which was a lot of fun but i also found myself not being nervous or anxious or, or even really excited about any of it it was just kind of like another thing that i did with my day Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. But at the same time, I went home and I didn't feel a real sense of, of like, yeah, I just did this. I just kind of went home and I was like, hmm, all right, what's next? Dinner? Cool. Hmm. You know? And so, like I said, I I, I can't classify that as good or bad. Right now, it's just an experience that, that pales a little bit to what it used to be. Pales a lot, to be honest, to what it used to be, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. So it's a weird place Hmm. that, uh, that I find myself in right now. So we have uh, a few, a few voicemail. Uh, I'm sorry, a few emails and a voicemail. 
to get to in this episode. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. If we, yeah, if we have time for them all. Okay, let's um, let's see if we can we can muscle through these here. Okay, because uh, they're big questions. <clears throat> uh, the first one comes from a listener named Rebecca, who I've been in touch with uh, via our email address quite a bit, and um, she has some really good questions that I don't think there are any kind of short answers to, but we'll we'll try anyway. Her first question was about uh, approaching a meeting with a commercial agent. Um, she basically wrote in and said, I have a meeting with this commercial agent. How do I tackle this? What do I do? How do I be? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is interesting because it's commercial agents where they're looking for a very specific type and product and things like right. that. You can't go in there and be like, I'm authentic and have them be like, yeah, we got it. You know, that's not going to sell toothpaste, you know, in a direct, yeah. uh, directly proportional way. I would say just be yourself. You know, I mean, I know that's... <laughs> It's like, that's like the most difficult thing to do, right? Right. Like the most difficult acting role is yourself, you know, playing yourself. But, you know, I remember going into the meetings that I had with, um, with commercial agents before I actually got one and, you know, just sitting there and just, just be myself, just kind of introduce yourself, kind of like, you know, have a few laughs, tell them about yourself. Usually they'll be, I mean, mine anyway, ask me, you know, where I was from and, you know, uh, if I went to school, where I went to school, you know, things like that. And we just kind of like, you know, would shoot the shit. And then at the end of it, like one of them or two of them were not interested at all. They were just like, oh, I don't know what to do with him. You know, um, mm, whether yeah. that had to do with like my ethnic ambiguity or what, I don't know. Right. And then the third one was like, we love him. We love him. We want to sign him for sure. You know, let us know after he's done with the rest of his meetings, you know, how those go. And, you know, we would love to, to, to have him on the roster. So it's like, it kind of reminds me of the commercial auditions themselves, where it's like, you know, it's almost like I had a session runner the other day uh, who, I I think I'm going to use this from here on out, but he had a great way of putting it, which is like, guys, uh, there's no sound in this one, so it really is like hitting the face lottery. (laughs) Hitting the face lottery. Hitting the face lottery. And I thought, that is exactly what commercials are. They're they're hitting the face lottery. Because if you go in and like you have three words and it's like... It's like, you know, hey, man, nice shoes or like, you know, whatever, like, um, you know, let me get a Miller Lite or, you know, whatever the hell that one or two lines is, you know, and if you deliver it, mm, you know, similarly to, you know, a hundred other actors, then it really is like hitting the face lottery. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's about an energy or like about, you know, some way you held something or whatever. And that's kind of stuff you can get, I guess, from class. But it really is about hitting the face lottery most of the time and about your energy and i feel like yeah. the interviews themselves are, are the same way so the only thing you can do is really be yourself yeah that's it yeah i was gonna say i mean the face lottery definitely there's always a personality behind that face that may be more <laughs> appealing or or i don't know whatever word you want to use there right. than than another personality but i yeah. mean yeah that's that's a the big part of what makes up your face you know yes the advantage is you get to spend more time with uh with an agent than you do with a like a session runner who's recording you for um for a commercial. Absolutely. Yeah. And my, my kind of comments to, to this question were, were that, um, I think it's really important to go into meetings like this and tell the agent what you want out of it. A lot of people go in and they, they're, they're still in the mindset. And we've talked about this in the podcast of, of being interviewed by the agent when it's the actor who's doing the interviewing because the actor takes home 90% of the check. Mm -hmm. The agent gets 10%. So you are hiring somebody to work for you. So I, I was, my thoughts were, you know, go in, say, these are my goals. These are the things I want to accomplish. These are the tools I have. Do you see anything we could work together on? How can we accomplish these goals together? 
rather than, Hey, do you have anybody that's kind of like me or not like me or, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and, um, I think that she did go into the meeting and, uh, I don't know if she heard back, but I, I don't know if she followed up. I don't remember. I'll have to check the email again, but that would be my, those would be my thoughts, you know, that you have a lot more power as an actor in these meetings than you think. And if yeah. you're just clear about what you want, that can go a really long way. Yeah. Yeah. And don't, don't oversell it. You know, oh, dude, I, so many actors I see go in and they're artificially bubbly and, oh, and that yes. just wears me out so fast. Just be authentic. There's a, the word of the episode is clearly authentic. Clearly. So be authentic. It's, it's like <laughs> Pee Wee Herman. Ah! Right, right, right. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, don't just don't oversell it. Um, you know, I just be comfortable, you know, because if you're nervous and if you're nervous in like one of those, if you're nervous in a meeting, they're going to be like, well, what is he going to, what is he or she going to be like in a, in an audition yeah they're nervous here exactly know? yeah so like i i did everything that i could to 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 be as relaxed as possible mm-hmm. um i remember in all those meetings going in sitting down whether it was a couch or a chair or whatever and like crossing my legs on purpose mm-hmm. you know and kind of leaning back on purpose just to kind of th- tell my body to tell my brain to like chill out yeah you know yeah and sometimes, you know, I, I'm always a big fan of transparency. So I wonder if it would be effective to go into a meeting like that and be like, you know, these meetings are always weird for me and blah, 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 blah shake your arms out and be like, I just want to put it out there. This is just an awkward situation for me and whatever. <laughs> and that might be the most endearing thing in the world to that person. As yeah. long as you are yourself in that moment. You know? And if it's not, if they, if they hate that, if they're really, really turned off by that, then guess what? You're probably not meant to work with that person. Yeah. There's a million know? agents out there that are getting work for a million actors. So it's like, you don't need to have every pairing potentially work. Right. Right. It's an artistic meeting. Just Loved. like your auditions. Yes, indeed. Cool. Well, we hope that helps, Rebecca. I mean, I, I sent her an email with all that stuff, but I uh, hope that helps anybody also listening to this. Cool. And Rebecca also had a separate question uh, about uh, an acting coach that was recommended to her that charges $400 an hour. And she wanted to know kind of what our thoughts were on this. And I went and I checked out this guy's website and he's got a lot of credits. Pretty extensive. He's definitely made a name for himself as a working actor. And his website is called Committed Impulse. What turns me off to this guy is not his price, however. It's the fact that he has developed yet another system that uh, that is supposedly uh, a one-size-fits-all for actors, and it's called Committed Impulse or something equally, uh, I don't know. Catchy? Catchy. Uh, and... Um, and he, and he charges, he just, I, I don't know, I just feel like he's another person out to kind of extort actors a little bit. And it's not in the, what they offer, it's in the way that they offer it, I guess. I, I don't know if I'm coming across right, because this guy may be brilliant, and I may just be jaded, but uh, 400 bucks an hour is a lot, especially when there are a lot of acting coaches out there who don't charge as much. But uh, his website is kind of a, a, a marketing, internet marketing template. I used to room with an internet marketer guy, and he taught me all the tricks of how you get people to buy your shit online. And <laughs> this guy, this guy uses every single one of them. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it, I just, I just get wary. I've, I've been burned too many times by these things to trust every single thing that comes my way. And now that I recognize these tactics, these marketing tactics, I'm kind of like, eh. Not impressed. So, what are your thoughts? Did you have a chance to check out this? Uh, yeah, this yeah. Guy? Um, I mean, I, I'm with you. Four hundred dollars is like so much. I'm like, what? What could you possibly be giving an actor that's worth four hundred dollars in an, an hour. hour? Yeah, 
You know what I mean? Like what what exactly are you doing in that hour that is worth that much money? Like I know I know acting coaches in town who I've worked with that are brilliant that charge a quarter of that. And it's already difficult for actors to shell out a lot of money in any case, you know, there's What's the saying we got from our, our listener? There's no uh, limit to the number of ways that an actor can write a check mm-hmm. in L.A. Yeah. You know, um, so I think I think I I am having a, a difficult time getting past the um, price tag mm-hmm. of that. Um, I mean, like you said, he may be brilliant. He may be uh, a great coach. But, you know, for that amount of money, my question is, what exactly are you giving an actor mm-hmm. that is worth that much. I mean, if you booked a guest star role on a major network show um, and you only shot one day, $400 is about a third mm-hmm. of what you would make yeah. that day. So let's say you work with him on an audition that you have. And that's what you spend that $400 or $325 for a Skype session on, right? Yeah, yeah, $300 for a Skype acting code, which is, which is interesting as well. I mean, right. So let's say you spend that money uh, for an audition that you're going to have, right? This is for an audition, not a callback. Let's say you get a callback. Then let's say you go to producers, right? This is all, all the things that, could, that are potentially between you and booking this job. And there are so many other things that can possibly keep you from getting that job not the least of which being how tall you are how short you are what color your skin is what your face looks like all these things that we were just talking about for instance hitting the face lottery there's all these other reasons besides your acting of why you would or would not book a role so for that much money are you going to put in a good word with the casting directors for me and call the producers and tell them that they should cast me? Because that's the only reason I would give you that much money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, he may be terrifically gifted uh, as a coach and teacher, and he may be a phenomenal actor, and he may have a system that just would blow our minds if we were to shell out the money and do this. So we definitely want to, don't want to discount this guy. I just am wary by the the things that I saw, and uh, like you know, like AJ just said, four hundred bucks an hour is a lot of money. Spe- you know, and here's a here's a story. I have you seen the posters for the show The River that's coming out yeah. on ABC? I auditioned for the lead character in that TV series months mm-hmm. ago. They didn't want name talent. They wanted a, an, an unknown actor, and it's shot in kind of like documentary styles. They want something very naturalistic. And I spent 100 bucks on an acting coach the night before because I wanted you know to do well in this audition. Yep. I went in. I read it once, and they said, cool, thank you, and that was it. I went home, and I found out like three weeks later they cast this like name British actor, this guy in, in, <laughs> in Britain that's huge. And I was like, wow. And I dropped 100 bucks on that audition, and they didn't – as soon as I walked in the room, I think they were like, nope. They may have already picked that guy out. They may have had an offer out to him, and they were just having the auditions yep. just to have them. So I'm not saying that it's bad to get coaching, but 400 bucks. I mean, we everybody knows that the average actor is not made of money. So I don't know. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this, and especially on the committed impulse thing, which is, I, which is you know, it's it's a it's a catchy title, but it's like it says something so simple. It's such a simple acting truth. It's like make a choice. Like whatever impulse you have, commit to it, right? If you're, <laughs> if you're in a scene, you have an impulse to do something or say something or move a certain way, then commit to it and bam. And if that's your magic pill, 
You know what I mean? It's a $400 pill. Anyway, um, I'd love to hear people's thoughts. And again, I want to just iterate, uh, again, that we're not trying to bash anybody or tear anybody down. In fact, if anybody's listening to this who who is a friend of his or if he's listening to this or or anybody who wants to kind of give us their two cents on on this uh, from a, a closer experience, I'd love to hear it. Please, yes. Because I'm, I'm hungry to see without spending $400. I'm hungry, hungry to see what, what makes him so uh, expensive. And this might just be a price valuation thing, you know? Maybe yeah. there's a, another product he's selling, so he makes his hour-long coaching sessions unattainable to the average actor so they can get his cheaper products. <laughs> I don't know. That's another trick. So we'd love to hear from people if they know. So I think that does it then for these questions. We have a couple others we wanted to get to, but we can't because we talked too much. <laughs> so we're going to jump into it's this. It's been a long time. Man. It's been a long time. <laughs> we're going to jump into this interview with Joe Wilson. Uh, enjoy this, guys. Joe Wilson is, uh, well, you'll, you'll hear us talk all about it in the interview. So enjoy it, and we'll, uh, we'll see you on the other side. Okay, guys, welcome back. Uh, I'm really excited to be sitting here with Joe Wilson, who is the creator of Vampire Mob, a really fantastic web series. And um, I first um, kind of came across Joe uh, on FilmCourage.com. It was a, an article that I read entitled uh, How to Lose... Let's see, I even wrote it down here. How to Lose Everything on Kickstarter and Still Raise a Production Budget. And it was a really fantastic article. And I was like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, man, we got we to gotta sit down with this guy. So I'm thrilled to have him here. Thank you for being here, Joe. Uh, thanks for having me on. Cool. And, so, and, and it's cool that you found it on Film Courage. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, I saw the Film Courage uh, article from uh, Filmmaker... Movie Maker Magazine, where they featured a bunch of podcasts, and we were featured there with Film Courage. Oh, nice. And I was like, that's, oh, that's really great. Cool. So I started listening to them, and then I got into right, that right. world, and that's oh, how we came cool. across you and, and Vampire Mom. So I have a, a lot of stuff that I want to ask you about, specifically those things you wrote in that article and about Vampire Mom, but I mm-hmm. thought we'd just start at the very beginning and, and talk a little bit about what brought you into this industry and um, how you got from you know, basically birth to where you are okay. today. Give well, us the 40,000 foot I'm old, so this is going to take a while. <laughs> uh, I guess uh, I started out um, in the 80s, way before you were born. And uh, I was actually behind the camera. I went to school for photojournalism and shot, uh, every, I mean, I shot political stuff. I shot Black Flag Live. You know, I shot bands, ballet dancers, Boston Ballet School, uh, actors. Uh, I was in the, shot a lot of bands, like both like recording live, uh, local Boston bands. And then, and my, and my goal was to work for the Black Star Photo Agency, which was a, um, like I wanted to go shoot war. That was, I really wanted to like go to trouble spots and, and that was where I was headed. And, and even the stuff I did in, like I would be behind the Boston public library with 11 homeless guys at four o'clock in the morning with a Leica around my neck, you know, in the dark. Wow. Um, just shooting, just documenting that kind of I, yeah, it underbelly. Was, it was, well, the thing about it, I, I did a project on the homeless and it was one of the, 
it's when I learned, like I had to tape up the Leica so it didn't look like it was worth any money, even though I did at one point end up with two guys, two homeless guys had me against a wall and one's pulling the camera with a strap around my neck and the other one has a bottle, which then gets broken. And they're like, you're here, you know, making money off of us. And I'm like, dude, I'm a student. I'm a student. And that student thing, wow, buys you a lot. But, uh, <laughs> but I would go out there for like five hours and take three pictures, like tops, because you could not just like, you had to talk, you had to. You know, so you, you, like, I became a part of the deal and, uh, and it took like, it took weeks to even like, and it was literally, I mean, so much like networking, it sounds horrible, but like the one homeless guy I hung out with a while, like he used to hang out behind the library and then those guys would see me hanging out with that guy. And then when I was hanging out with them, like I literally just walked up to a heat vent in the dark and. And there's uh, uh, and it's January and they had made cardboard. They made like a little wind tunnel because it was a heat. It would just uh, all the exhaust that was coming out of the library came out one spot, and it would keep you from freezing to death. And so I just like sat down, and they're immediately like, "No pictures," and I'm like, "Yeah, cool, no problem." And then just kept talking, and then literally like four hours later, uh, one of the guys was like, "Oh, right, you can take a picture of us now." Wow. So you really and, had to just kind of sit down and schmooze with these with Yeah, these you, you, And that thing is that that was the difference between like photojournalism. I'd show up with, you know, two 35 millimeter cameras with, you know, automatic winders on them, a Leica. And I would just be dee 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 and just flop. And, and I could run those three rigs really, really fast. I mean, I worked out like I could break down a camera, put it back together. Like I practiced it like it was a, like a Marine with mm-hmm. a gun. Uh, but once you, you know, and I, I. I had stuff in the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald, um, and I ended up shooting a lot of fashion to try to make money to pay for the photojournalism stuff. And, and at some point, I, I came to the conclusion that, wow, really, the still image is kind of a dying, and, and the newspaper business is dying, and no one really cares about the still image, and so much of it is used for almost as punctuation, as illustration. It's not really important. And uh, Harry Madison, who was a guy who had shot in Nicaragua and El Salvador, I went to a lecture of his, and it's a classic, like, I don't know, 1920, whatever I was. And, and I asked him, you know, I was the, the guy with a million questions, like the lecture. And you were that, and, that heckler guy. Yeah, he was just like, <laughs> oh, like, you know. And the thing is, he showed a picture of, it was the cover of Newsweek, and it was a, a, a helicopter gunner out of a helicopter. So he's inside a helicopter. There's nothing but jungle underneath, and there's a 50 caliber uh, rifle mounted in this helicopter. And, and the article is called "Shooting Over Nicaragua," and he, so he has it up on the the screen. He's like, "Hey, uh, just let you know, this photograph was taken in El Salvador and has nothing to do with the article." Wow, really? That's cover news. Wow. And and then when you start seeing photographs get manipulated, and, and this was you know back then where it was a lot harder, and the way things would get used, and it was just like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to get killed to do this. For an industry that's this screwed up, that's this, it was already dying then. The first acting I did was a 90-minute one-man show, and I'd never acted before. Like, I'd only done, like, stuff in class. Where did that go up? Uh, Mobius in Boston. Um, And then I ended up getting, like, a grant and went to, like, a couple festivals and performed part of it at Lincoln Center, their outdoor festival. Really? Yeah. With no experience whatsoever. Just, I took some acting classes and, you know, and the thing, you know, what I was doing was... Because I was writing the characters, I had a cheat as an actor because I knew, like, you get handed a script. You don't know who these people are. You got to invent all that back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I knew who these people are. I made them up. Right. So, it was, right. so I wanted to act, and I knew, you know, and I didn't start acting until I was 
well into my 20s. And then I'm like, well, I'm not, what am I going to go audition? I have no resume. I have no nothing. I'm like, well, if I read a show. And the thing is, like, it was, it was, it had four endings. I did all four. Like, I did different versions <laughs> of it. It got better. But, and I cut, you know, cut it down. And then I did, uh, I co-wrote and performed a two-person show that was a, like a sketch show. Now, how, how did how did your how did that if it did in any way connect or relay into um, you know the years after that and, and where you are now? So I I started focusing on screenwriting and yeah, was took a ton of classes at UCLA and got in a playwright group. I was writing plays, and it just got really frustrating. What's frustrating about being a writer, a screenwriter, is that it's you never get to see your story. You never, you know, you're just writing words and then, and screenwriters are the lowest of the low in the creative process in movie making. You're the first fired. You're the first to be rewritten. Directors own it. Most of the time they bring in their own writers anyway. Mm -hmm. So I just got to a point where I'm just like, why am I like, this isn't fun to just get no for years. Why I'm killing, you know, and I'm spending all day on a computer and then I'm writing all night. And I'm trying to, you know, get stuff happening. And at some point I was just like, this is stupid. Like, this is my life. And this is not, I'm not here to jerk off. Not to be all negative, but the industry sucks right now. And it's probably going to suck even more in terms of everything that's gone on with SAG and AFTRA, everything that's gone on with just jobs and pay in general. And and it's it's um it's hard i think it's harder now than it was before but there's also a lot more opportunities if your brain is not jammed in the i go get a job they give me money i go pretend right like i i I think for the actor who is just walking around with a resume looking for opportunities i think you're screwed because if you're not finding your own projects hooking up with other people doing your own stuff whether it's you writing your own stuff finding somebody to write stuff with you whatever you're an idiot because that is just a huge wasted opportunity. And, and in terms of the history of storytelling, it, this has never happened before. Like I have a, uh, I call Vampire Mob Indie TV. And some people who make web series go, really, what channel is it on, Joe? <laughs> it's on the internet. I don't know if you uh, know Netflix. Have you heard of Netflix yet? Well, when they put Arrested Development out and House of Cards, Kevin Spacey's show, uh, that'll just be on the internet. So that's where I am. You know, we have audience members and that's the other part of the show is like we people donated money for us to shoot this. And that's the other part of this that I think is changing now. Like if you're not on Twitter, if you're not on Facebook, even if even if you are just waiting tables trying to get a commercial once a year just to break into something, if you're not like you can actually talk to showrunners you can actually talk to people who write these shows and directors and that kind of thing people will respond to you uh you know if you're not just hey look at my reel hey look at my reel hey look at my reel because guess what you know wow i really don't have time to look everybody's real you don't even know and 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 also if you're an actor and you're going to pitch yourself to somebody don't tell them you haven't seen the show like an actor's go up and go yeah i really you know if you ever need anybody i'm like have you seen yeah i haven't i haven't seen the show but you know maybe you should (laughs) know about that because do a little research also it's like i work with really really good actors like i don't I'd rather work with an actor with chops who's going to be cool on a set. Like I have fun. Our sets are fun. They're tiny. They're nothing sets, but everybody has fun. There's no drama. There's no bullshit at all. Like I'm holding a camera. I loaded everything in. I load it all out. Like there's no, 
no, nothing. It's like a parallel universe. And, and that's the thing is like when you're looking at Ed Burns, uh, you know, he's just pointing out the fact that if you're making an independent film and you try to screen it in just in L.A. and New York, A, there's only X number of places you can do it. B, it's going to cost you $300,000. C, the most you're going to make is $150,000. So you're already $150,000 in the hole for a $9,000 movie. Mm-hmm. And most people see movies on their laptop, their phone, and their TV anyway. How many of us are actually going to a theater seeing all these movies? It's impossible. Yeah. So why pretend? Why look at it as some... You know, well, let me go play the festival game. Well, that gets expensive and long. Like, how about you build your own audience? How about you do your own thing? How about, you know, and and I'm not saying you can't do both to some degree, but I just think it's such a wasted opportunity not to take advantage of this technology and and make stuff because everyone's trying to like, why can't I get that role that I, well, why don't you just go do it? Why don't you yeah. just go like make it a short, make it a, you know, shoot it on your phone, find some reason to make it on your, they just shot a, a feature on a phone, on a Nokia phone with a 35 millimeter lens on the front of it, full gear, yeah. rig the whole thing. It's like, but so that's. So that's, to me, what's much more exciting. Like, I never made this as a pilot. I didn't want to sell it. I said no to a couple of companies who, who were internet companies who wanted to throw, you know, $4 at it and tell me what to do. Right, put their um, logo on it or something. Well, and, and I have no problem with that. If you, if you have no problem with not telling me absolutely anything to do, you get no notes because you don't know, you don't know how to tell stories. You, mm. I don't know who you are. I don't. I haven't seen any of your work. I know you own a company. I know you have a website, but and and I'm sure you know all your SEO stuff and you know your demographic stuff. But I'm telling a story. I didn't write it for a 24 year old woman who's trying to buy a Volvo. You know, I don't care. I'm not going to write up a series about roommates who love gum so I can get a gum company to give me money so I can shoot something about gum. Why? Why do you do this then? I mean, what what, you, you you're telling a story, but what's the ultimate payoff for you? At this point, the ultimate payoff is telling a story. I mean, I, we raised over $10,000. Granted, you don't shoot 82 pages for ten grand and live happily ever after. This is not... And that's the other part of this is that if you think you're just going to make a web series and blow up and get awards and look at me, it's like... Mm. It, most people, when you say, hey, have you seen that web series? Like, well, what's a web series? Mm. That's the response. So to me, it's... Uh, I'm looking at this as I'm the network and I'm the production company. I'm in distribution. I don't. And much like a band, you sell your, you sell, you sign with a label. You get 0.0 cents from each CD or download because they have a giant machine to pay for. Television is the same thing. They have a giant machine to pay for. So if I don't need a, so the only thing a network is going to give you is money and marketing. So if I can, and and you have to scale to that, there is a number that has to, if you shoot network television and it's an hour long, it's going to cost you about this much money for a 45 minute show. Basic cable is going to cost about this much money. Uh, If you're on an HBO or a Showtime, it's a different game because they're playing with different rules. They get a big chunk of money that comes in every month from all their subscribers and they can do that. So the payoff is... For a sitcom, you have to get 88 episodes before you can go into syndication. Anything that's made before that 88 episodes is at a loss. Every show is a loss really? leader. Every show is a loss leader. Yeah, because wow. it costs more money to make television. than it. I mean, everybody gets paid, but in terms of the investment, right. it is a 
is a financial loss. You've got to do Friends or Seinfeld or well, or or, or you know, I mean, not. Thirty Rocks in syndication, mm-hmm. and and the other things about syndication is now with Hulu and with Netflix, what syndication means is slightly different. So the idea is, I'm oper- I'm making the show at a loss personally right now. If and and the battle as with everybody is audience attention, audience fragmentation. So if I can get the audience big enough, then, and I can, and this show is scalable. So I don't have to, I can shoot 30 pages, 80 pages, four pages, whatever. So I'm not walking around town trying to get someone to say yes. Mm-hmm. Which I'm, is powerful. I'm, That's do, a powerful I'm just doing it. Paradigm shift. Yeah. And I'm, I'm shooting in HD. I can shoot something that's decent enough. I went to school photography. I know what a good looking picture looks like. Once your brain is not looking for permission to do what you want to do, and you can actually go to the audience who enjoys what you do and say, I need money to do this. Would you like to see more? Sure. Buy a t-shirt to just donate money. Some people just donated money and there's something. And then what you end up with is you end up with in a relationship with the audience. Cause I talk to people all over the world on Twitter every single day. You still have an audience that expects some level of quality, but what you can do with what's available now. So the idea is that if I can keep, and it's building right now, uh, vampire mob is building. It's it's, and it's, and it takes a long time because I don't have a giant machine, but you know, NBC and ABC and CBS and all the other networks cancel shows every year. They have giant teams of marketing people, millions of dollars, SEO experts, all the online people, everything. They still can't save a show because it sucks. So if I can make a good show and I can make it independently and I can scale it, then I can build this big enough that the audience is big enough that they will throw in for it. That audience is big enough that should a sponsor, and I've had a couple of chats with people who I want to throw money to have their name on it, who want to shut up and not say a word to me about the show. And that's an acceptable setup for them. Great. If basic cable and cable uh, and, uh, and network television is the cineplex, then I'm the art house down the street. We're both on the internet. We're both in HD. You can watch both of us on your television. One has a giant machine to feed. One comes from publicly traded companies that need to make profit to pay dividends. They need to make the FCC happy. They need to make standards and practices happy. They need to make their sponsors happy. They need to make the general public happy all at the same time. I don't need to do that. I swear all I want. I do whatever I want within the context of the show because I feel like that's what the show needs. Mm-hmm. Why do you, Why do I need an entertainment industry at all? Like, what are they offering me? All they're offering me is a bunch of obstacles and no's. I'd rather do good work. And I don't need someone to tell me I'm doing good work if I know from the audience that I'm doing good work. Because that's who is literally paying for it. Is the show now uh, completely crowdfunded? I mean, you were operating at a loss for season one. But now is Uh, it... uh, Season one was completely out of my pocket. We shot it with standard definition cameras that I had. So, And I wrote a cliffhanger. Yeah, I, I liked the, how you ta- said in the article you did you did the uh, the ransom method of, yes. uh, of releasing episodes. Yeah, you would that, wait till they hit a certain number of uh, views, then yeah. you release the next. Yeah, and that's really kind Is of that what effective was, for you. It it was it's it it takes a uh, a, a certain mindset because it took a long time <laughs> yeah. the first couple episodes, but I think it began the process of 
conversation with the audience right and people i think it's brilliant it. oh thanks, yeah. thanks and and yeah. and it's stolen you know i stole it from stephen king and and another guy who had done it with uh books one had done it with a manual for like a role-playing game that he was like i just want to make six hundred dollars on this book so once i get six hundred dollars then everybody's can get it for free and that's the way he did it and then stephen king did it where somebody would pay a dollar and he'd have a chapter and another dollar chapter yeah you know i i, I feel like this industry the the reason that really good stuff like what you're writing wasn't getting picked up or connected for some reason is is a because people have so much riding on their reputation and yes. money and b right. they're they're terrified to take a risk if they can't yeah. see yep. that it's going if they can't be like sold on the idea from yep. from the get-go they're going to be like uh, i'm scared it's, i'm yeah. scared i'm scared I, a, I can't do it yeah. it'll be no, the end of my career right. but you went ahead and you make it and now they're i bet you there's more than a few people going like oh man like he was at, he was you know then, calling me like the funny thing a couple is, years ago. Then it, like I know I know an Oscar winning producer looked at the show uh, who won an Oscar last year, and uh, and their response was, "Wow, not a lot of views." I'm like, yeah, see, you're still in the business. I mean, the whole the whole experience has been great. the The only frustrating thing about it is getting the word out. Is just is having people watch it. It's still you know the people that are really into it are really into it. Um, mm-hmm. and people are like, Oh, I'm going to catch up with that. Or I'm going to see him. Then. Oh, get that right. That's, that's the battle. And, and on that note, you, I mean, I want to talk about again, this article, yeah. cause the whole crux of it was that you started the Kickstarter campaign to raise money yeah. for the second season and, and you didn't, you didn't all. do it. And yeah. I'm willing to bet that happens a lot more often with oh, Kickstarter right. campaigns well, than the, the ones who actually succeed. I think the thing about it is like, I, you know, I put it all, I made a video, I put it all the time. I had a decent, you know, we had the season out. I think I had the last two episodes I was actually using as rewards for people. I would send them the password so they could see the end of the season. So that was kind of cool, but we got to like $6,200 and Mm -hmm. out of 10,000, right? Out of 10,000. Yeah. And then, so that's pledges. So if you don't hit your goal by your stated goal time, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You lose all that money. So all of a sudden I was like, all right, that's the camera and the lens gone. <laughs> I'm at zero right. and I have to start all over again. And that was already after like 50 something days, whatever. Yeah. So, it, and, and I'm, I'm, of course I'm starting October 30th. So, Oh, great time of year to raise money, November and December. Right, right, <laughs> right. So it, it took like six months. What was cool about, well, cause you said you turned right around and the set up minute. your own iWebsite and, well, the, uh, and yeah, auction stuff on eBay and email yeah. stuff to people. You're, so you did your own Kickstarter campaign without Kickstarter. Yeah. With, and that was the thing is like Indiegogo was, was the other, the other way to go with it where, and, and you don't lose your money, but it's what percentage they take mm-hmm. changes based on whether you hit your goal or not. And, and the, the, the mistakes with any kind of crowdsourcing is that if you don't already have a network, if you don't, if you're not willing to put in the time every single day for the entire campaign, you are online talking, checking, thanking, posting always. Yeah. It is a lot, a lot of work. It is not just here. Cause I see people do it all the time. It's so stupid. They're like, here's the trailer for my project. The same trailer we have up on YouTube that you would find anywhere that doesn't mention right. we're raising money or anything. Right. And, and, then here, here, and, and we would like $30,000. Right. And here's a signed poster or, yeah. you know, something like generic, like, but also it's not even, it's not even that. And that's the thing about this is the mindset of putting up a trailer and getting people to give you money is old model. That's old model thinking. Mm-hmm. They want to know who the hell are you? Why are you doing this? Is this your passion? Is this, why do you need, why do I, why should I give you money? There's a thousand projects that just showed up on the site today. Why should you get it? That's what you're battling mm-hmm. because you're selling 
the sizzle. You know, you're not selling the steak. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a web series. Everybody's got a short. Everybody. I mean, it is uh, Steve Silverman who makes uh, Pretty the Series a, a web series that a couple of our cast members are actually in, um, Kirsten and, and Stacey McQueen. He said web series are like the one-man show from the 90s. Hmm. Everybody had a one-man show. And, and I, I had one. Everybody had one. You have to go. I directed a bunch. Uh, you know, I go to theirs. They go to mine. And it was just like, oh, really? That's so funny. I never thought web, of it that way. It's a web series. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And, and you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that this time exists. I just – I wish more people would – Focus on the opportunity rather and then just think they're going to shit something out and have people jump on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seems like there's a lot. It's like that viral thinking. It's it's that same kind of like, am I going to find the trick? You know, am I going to find the thing? And there's a there's a, a SAG New Media, like we're a SAG show, so you have to give them a budget. Separate division of SAG. So there's SAG Indie and SAG New Media. Mm-hmm. SAG New Media signed 1,800 signatories last year. Over 1,800. So that is just SAG web series, 1,800. Now, that doesn't include all the AFTRA web series because they have their own new media division. And it also doesn't include all the other series that are made all over the world with no union affiliation. Yeah. There's a content tsunami headed for the internet right now. Oh, it's, I feel like it's been there for a while. YouTube is, is wonderful, but it's also just a junkyard of oh, of videos how do you stand out from that stuff i mean i i'm asking that rhetorically yeah, no, I, I i feel like i have a good grasp on that but i mean i think it's the other thing about being in la like you kind of lose track of people who really enjoy watching stories and good acting bubble, yeah it's a bubble you, you're just so you're always talking to people that's just like it just ends up and i and i know it's a business i understand it's a business but sometimes it just ends up being about nothing but the business and and I feel like anybody who got into acting did not get into it to talk about callbacks, to talk about, you yeah. know, what to do right or wrong, to, you know, all this kind of conniving and figuring out and jockeying. And I understand, but it always, what it, it ends up being is like people just keep repeating opinions and they become rules. And they're not rules. They're just opinions that have been said over and over and over again. And, and, well, you should do this. Why? Well, this is what everyone does. Isn't that a reason not to do it? Mm-hmm. Isn't that a reason? I mean, I understand there's logic. There's things you have to do. But if I'm doing everything like everybody else, then I'm like everybody else. And to just even break out of that thinking, you know, I didn't start Vampire Mob so I could work with a Tony winner, an Emmy winner, and have people donate money and entertain people all over. I didn't it I, it's cuz it's fun. I like to do it cuz it's fun. If you're not having fun then you're working a job. We all want to be employees. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. We all just want to like, "Hi, where do I show up?" "Okay, you send me the All right, where's my my agent, man?" <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's a lot easier. It's so that's, much that's easier to complain about everything. everything. Everybody wants to do it. It's like uh, so many people just want to be told I was, I've been doing this productivity program, Mm -hmm. this like online video series. And, um, the guy said something really interesting. He said, you need to limit the amount you check your email every day, because when you check your email, what you're really doing is checking to see if somebody is telling you what to do. 
you're checking to get orders from somebody mm-hmm. so you can go do something for somebody else. Yep. And when I came to that realization, I was like, oh my God. And I just started seeing it in all aspects of my life. And I was like, mm-hmm. it is a lot easier just to be told what to do than right. to actually put in the effort to think and create right. and, and get on your own path. I, th- I think that this, this time and what's going on with this, uh, if you're an actor that's just an employee, then you're, I think, I think you're missing an opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, and again, it goes back to like the Andy DeFranco school of, of indie music. She, she walked away from a label, put out her own stuff because she makes a hundred percent of those units. So if you have to sell a billion units because you're making 0.02 cents from each one, if you only sell a hundred thousand and you make a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred percent of whatever that brings in, then you've just scaled Mm-hmm. You don't need all that money. And yeah. so that, so it's kind of like if you look at, and TV and movies are, there's, as an industry, they're kind of screwed right now because the amount of audience fragmentation and the previous business models don't match. Because you used to make a movie and then you'd make it up on DVD and video on demand and all the rest of it. As DVD continues every year to go down. And, and even Netflix doesn't even want to be in the business. Like, yeah. They wouldn't even let you give that as a gift, the DVD subscription. They only let you give the streaming, not the DVD, yeah. even though it's still available. But that model of if people are watching it on Hulu, if people are watching it on Netflix, if people are watching it off of you know a network's website, uh, HBO Go, uh, Showtime's getting like stars is pulling their whole library off of Netflix. The, I, think I, saw, next, I read that, yeah. Yeah, because they... They want to do the same model. Mm-hmm. Fragmentation. It's more and more fragmentation. There's never been more shows than now. There's never been more famous people than now in the history of mankind. There's never been more content in the history of mankind. There is so much available to us instantly now free. Yeah. How do yeah. you compete with that? So looking at that, the industry is trying to figure out, well, how are we going to Hey, that's why there's less $20 million movie stars. That's because they don't, I mean, other than the tent poles, all those other movies are not like with comedy, the DVD sales are going down. So there's a lot of studios that are making less comedy. Yeah. I feel like there's now there's like, you know, Thor and Iron Man and then there's everything else. Yes. Yeah. And, and huge, other than, yeah, like the wave of adult stuff for yeah. November, December for awards. Right. But right. yeah, the rest of the year it's really, and it shouldn't be this way. Like yeah. it should. There's, it's so easy to make cheap, good stuff now. Like why? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's marketing. It's that's where the money gets blown. Yeah. And as audiences fragment, and I think that's the thing is like as audiences fragment, that's where the advantages are mm-hmm. for indie storytellers yeah. because you get a piece of a fragment and you build it. Yeah. I, and I love that. I love out. that model. I, I think it's great. I, I, we're we're kind of getting to the end here, so sure, I want to. Sure. I want to. Um, I have just a few questions. Last yeah. questions I want to ask you. And the first one is, um, if you if you could distill all your experience um, with everything. I mean, let's let's go ahead and include you know your PI work and right. and your photography work and all that into one nugget of knowledge that you could impart to somebody. What would what would that nugget? What would that one thing you could tell somebody be? Don't put a tremendous amount into what other people tell you to do. It's, it's going to sound like crazy advice, but the one any time that I didn't do what I was supposed to, that's when everything worked. When I did the stupid thing in terms of everybody else's idea, 
that's when things happened. So when you stepped outside this, you know, quote unquote system almost. Whatever the stupid thing is, I mean, if you can handle it, if you can pull it off and it's not easy, but that, I, I think that's the thing that I've learned from all this is just the millisecond I just ignore all the bullshit and all the blah, blah that everybody's spouting and just do what I do and not apologize for it. That's when all this other stuff Let's happens. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Uh, I love that philosophy. Thanks. That's great to have confidence in, uh, in following your instincts really. And, and be, and just getting comfortable with like, I don't know how this is going to work out. Hmm. This might not work. Maybe this is a mistake. That's great. And the, uh, the other question we ask people, and I think I asked these in reverse order, so yeah, this might right. be a little anticlimactic, no but, um, do you, do you feel like this industry chose you, this line of work chose you, or do you feel like you chose it? Hmm. I know that's a little heady, yeah, but, uh, no, uh, no, I think I, I mean, uh, maybe a combination to some degree, just because I didn't, I never wanted to direct. I not, I wasn't direct. even a, a glimpse, a gl- gleam in your, it just, in your oh, thought it, like when I was writing screenplays and people were like, well, have you th- just thought about like making your own movie? I'm like, well, why would I do that? Well, I got all that money and I it, then I got to get it in a festival and then hope a distributor picks it up. And mm. wow, that's just gigantic. That's just silly. Now I could totally see shooting a movie right now and just put it on the internet. To me, that seems like, yeah, why wouldn't that? You just write something's really cheap and yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah. It just seems so possible. So uh, I think the the circumstances of being a screenwriter and how you're treated as a screenwriter and and also you know i was in writers groups and and you know there's some asshole actors who fuck with your head you know you know the guy that walks into the audition who's just the loudest guy in the room who's just just putting a little stuff out there just to get in people's heads and just because he knows the assistant really well and hugs him and talks him up for 50 minutes while everybody else is going in that writers it's the same thing and and they and and that the frustration of of that making me do something else making me find a solution essentially like i thought well all right shorts just because i want to see at least some of my stuff on screen i'll let somebody else shoot it and then oh wow you guys don't know how to direct comedy you don't know you don't get this at all like i know you're the director and you're the author but like i got rewritten for free like they changed the title of one of them wait a minute Mm -hmm. i volunteered like i couldn't go to the screening because i was so angry i wanted to rip somebody's head off how dare you ask me to do all of this work for free and then you rewrote me and changed a title and the end product of all of it is garbage how dare you that's what i felt like mm-hmm. and i'm like all right how are you gonna solve that keep looking for a director who gets it or pick up a fucking camera well i guess i'm gonna pick up a fucking camera <laughs> and then all this you know the 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 digital wave yeah you know i wasn't shooting in hd until the season so the digital wave just we just found each other and found these cameras and i shot with canons in the 80s with f1 so it's so weird to like hold this thing up and hit the button 
that yeah. like for all that to kind of come back around I, that, you know, and I'm not a big like right time, right place. I mean, I've had a bunch of that stuff happen. Seeking it out is not my thing, but to see this technology kind of meet, meet me wherever I'm going at this point for that. And now I have that camera so I can just go like shoot a really cool thing tomorrow. Right. So it's a little bit of, a little bit of both then. I, I, yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's part of it is my response to, I think wrong thing. It, actually, part of it is my response to listen to a lot of other people's advice. So maybe it does go back to this, the first question, even though you flipped mm-hmm. it. I mean, the, the, I was trying to do the things that, you know, well, you, you take a bunch of screenwriting classes and then you win a right. screenplay contest and then you get an agent, you yeah. get a manager and blah, 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 blah. And I was doing all, and that was the thing is like when all that stuff was working, I'm like, I remember saying to my wife, like, oh my God, like this is working. You see, this is working. She's like, yeah, this is totally, this is great. Didn't work. Hmm. Hmm. And, and I, and, and honestly, you know, dying in obscurity and doing decent work and entertaining a small group of people and, you know, not going totally broke doing it. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, this has been really fantastic, Joe. Thank okay, you thanks. so much for sitting yeah. down with us. If people want to learn more about you, I mean, we'll obviously throw a link up to uh, Vampire Mob up on the website. Right. But uh, you any, can any way me, can... um, um, at Vampire Mob on Twitter, um, at Joe Wilson TV uh, on Twitter, um, info at VampireMob.com if you want to email cool. me. And um, don't email me your headshot and reel without saying, <laughs> I love your show and I've seen every episode. Right. And here's my <laughs> reel. Right, right. <laughs> but... Uh, and 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 if you're listening to this and you're doing something creative, just don't be afraid to be a little bit of a dick and make good shit on your own somehow with somebody else. Like, take the opportunity to take advantage of all this stuff because this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. All this stuff has never happened before. So if you're here in life, wherever, and you're a storyteller, director, writer, actor – all this stuff has never happened before. It's never been possible to do this. And to not take advantage of it is a gigantic mistake at whatever level you want to take advantage of it. But I think, you know, the, the connections you can make, the things you can learn, uh, get real in terms of pure pragmatism. Um, this, this is, this is a time for, for people who are self starters and this is not a time for employees. So if you want to be an employee, you're fucked. (laughs) You, well, you got to be a self-starter. You're done. I, I don't think there's a better note to end it on than that. That's <laughs> pretty fantastic. Sorry, Mom, about the swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, again, thank you so much. This yeah. was awesome. Oh, cool. Anytime. All right, guys. Welcome back. I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, that interview with, uh, with Mr. Wilson. Um, Mr. Vampire, uh, can, do you think you would not? Do you think you would like that or not like that to be known as Mr. Mr. Vampire? Uh, I would. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> He's a great guy, very cool guy, very funny. A lot of interesting stories, as you guys heard. And uh, there's a lot more that we couldn't squeeze into this part that that uh, that was that were very interesting. So uh, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. So if you guys uh, are interested in being in touch with him, you can. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. He's at Joe Wilson TV or at Vampire Mob. So um, look him up and uh, be in touch. Tell him you heard his interview on Inside Acting. I'm sure he'd love to connect. 
Awesome. What's your pick of the week, my friend? My pick of the week is a little bit embarrassing. Anybody who's been following me on Twitter the past couple of weeks is gonna is gonna kind of nod their heads when they hear this. But um, I've been doing P ninety X, dude. Oh, really? And, Claim uh, another, vic- another victim. And huh? uh, I'm a I'm a believer. I am a believer. Uh, you know, I, I the a lot of the pools for my swim team were closed, and I canceled my gym membership. Whoa! Because it's that good. It's it's awesome, and I just finished my first month, and I took my my progress photos. I took a photo of myself on day zero, you know, and then I took a photo on the thirtieth day and looked at the uh, the differences. And it, it 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 it's so popular because it works. That's all I have to say. It's good stuff. So if I, I subscribe to uh, this, I don't know if this can be a pick of the week because it's just a email newsletter. But I subscribe to. Um, uh, an email newsletter from Men's Health Magazine, and they just recently sent out an email about P90X, and they said it, it was almost exactly that. It was like, why is this so? Po-? You know, you may have seen this on TV, you may have heard your friends talking about it, and you may think like, oh, another like fad or whatever. And he mm-hmm. goes, and and the email said, well, the reason it's so popular is because it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounded exactly like uh like like you just did. So. Yeah, and I I gotta say it's it's not um. <clears throat> It's not like you just buy it and then all of a sudden you're in shape. Like it is hard. It is really hard. You have to show up every day for over an hour every day and commit that time to doing some really freaking hard workouts. But over time, it becomes a habit and you start to get uncomfortable if you if you're not working out. It's a weird thing. Like your body's like, I haven't worked out today. What's going on? You know. <laughs> so um, it, it's not easy. It's a commitment for sure. It's a lifestyle change. But um. I, you know, you know me, I love that stuff. So uh, besides the DVDs, what else do you need? I would recommend, uh, well, I wouldn't recommend you need, uh, a chin up bar, at least some resistance bands to start. Ideally you'll buy some weights down the line and uh, a yoga mat. The yoga is epic. The yoga is a 90 minute yoga session. Whoa. And, uh, it's, I'm, I'm extremely inflexible or at least I was 30 days ago (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, but it's great. In fact, I'm doing yoga tonight. Thus concludes Trevor's P90X <laughs> commercial. Tony Horton, we love you. <laughs> Very uh, nice. Cool, man. How about you? What's your pick of the week? Um, well, it's this is weird because my pick of the week is not necessarily... Well, my pick of the week is more uh, so that we can have a conversation about this than it is about the thing itself. Um, I, I got a chance to watch um, the documentary. Uh, I think it's called Can't Stop. And it's a documentary about basically Conan O'Brien... And his life in the six-month period where he was banned from being on television. So he took a live show on the road with, like, Andy Richter and, like, the his, like, band oh, and all this, that stuff. This is the movie he was making. Because right after – this is yeah, this is after the NBC debacle, right? Yes. Yeah, so NBC – so, uh, I mean, this was obviously very publicized. You know, it was a huge deal um, where NBC just kind of, like, screwed everything up by – um, you know, taking Leno. Well, Leno said years ago, like ten years ago, he gave the um, the Tonight Show away, if you will, to Conan O'Brien. And then uh, after Conan took over uh, the Tonight Show, Jay's ratings were still, you know, doing pretty well. So they put him in like a more quote unquote primetime spot at ten o'clock, right before. Uh, you know, Conan, and then um, both ratings for both shows kind of like tanked, and then uh, NBC thought they were going to be brilliant and push uh, Jay Leno's show back to like its original time slot, pushing Conan's back to his original time slot and just not changing the names, and Conan was like, wait, I've like waited all this time to like have this time slot, I don't want to go... 
and do that one now. Yeah. So then they had a basically an epic falling out breakup, if you will, NBC and and Conan, and then in his sort of settlement uh, contract when leaving NBC, he, Conan was banned from being on television for six months. He couldn't be on television at all. Period. He couldn't be on NBC or any other network. Wait, who who does the banning for that? The FCC? I don't. Well, no. I mean, NBC somehow like got him to sign a piece of paper oh. saying that for six months, and that was like part of this sort of quote unquote settlement deal. So he's literally banned from being on television. This guy who's like so used to like entertaining people, um, and then uh, he decided to create a live show. And take it on the road. And it was extremely popular. Sold out, sold out every show in, like, minutes. Um, and he had, like, 45 of them all across the country during this sort of six-month uh, stint. And um, th- that's what the documentary is about. And the documentary is okay. Like, it's not the greatest piece of filmmaking. Um, but it's interesting. And it also, like I said, allowed us to have, like, this conversation. Um, and, uh, yeah, you get to see some, I don't know, some... You get to see a side of Conan you may have never seen before if you're a fan or not. Um, and you also um, get to see some other sort of interesting, um, not only celebrity, uh, you know, cameos, but also like how some of the inner workings of business at that level kind of happens. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I think one of the most interesting things about the documentary is how everything just kind of happens to him. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he is very funny, he's very talented, and because of that, all these other people are, like, making decisions for him and very often don't know what the hell's going on. Hmm. It's like somebody going, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, he can do that, and then, like, he shows up and he's like, I'm doing what? You know what I mean? Things (laughs) like that. So, um, you know, it's really interesting how, how things sort of work at that level. I heard a quote the other day. That I, that I think is kind of interesting and maybe plays into this a little bit, where it's just like, um, being, what was it again? Being an actor means giving up control. Being a star means getting it back. Wow. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think it might almost sometimes be the opposite. You know, um, Tell us what you think. Send in, uh, send in comments, emails, be, tweets. Being an actor means giving up control. Being a star means getting it back. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I got to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit of a noodle baker for me. And I, like I said, I'm still don't know if I agree with it. So if you guys agree with it or disagree with it, um, get in touch. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to hear what, what our, what our listeners think. Awesome. Well, I think that's about all that fits for episode 67. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Yes, sir. Bob. Welcome back. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's it's good to be back. Uh, (laughs) let's hope this gets to our listeners. Yeah. Right. All this (laughs) recording and we're like. Uh, it's just going to end up somewhere in the, up somewhere on the internet somewhere and, and we will find its way to somebody and we've come full circle yeah uh cool well anybody listening to this podcast there's a lot of different ways that you can be in touch with us that you can support us and you can start by going to inside acting podcast if you want to have a conversation or uh or like i said be in touch with us you can email us at inside acting podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at uh, twitter.com slash inside acting if you'd like you can also be in touch with us individually i'm at twitter.com slash trevor algot i'm at twitter.com slash digital actor we also have a voicemail that uh, inbox that you can use at uh 
one two one three two actors. That's one two one three two 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 eight six seven seven. And uh, you can also write a, write us a, a couple of reviews on iTunes and or Actor Rated. Um, so just do a search for Inside Acting on those two services. And um, Facebook, we're on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Facebook.com/slash Inside Acting. Yeah. Uh, and uh, last but certainly not least, uh, you can always um, uh, send us a, a donation. So hop on over to our website at InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com. It's a little donate button on the right hand side. You can do a one time donation, or you can subscribe to the podcast and donate three, five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. Um, just helps us keep this whole thing going. Uh, like we were saying before. Um, you know, sometimes it costs uh, a lot of money. Sometimes that money goes to services that don't work, and then we have to cancel them. Uh, sometimes, uh, yeah. Th- I'm using sometimes like you were using maybe earlier. Right, right. This is all definitely <laughs> right. happening right well, now. Well, not not every dollar, you know, but like uh, certainly it, hap- <laughs> it has it has now happened to it us. It has now happened. Yes. Um, so uh, yeah. Those donations definitely help keep us going and keep the podcast going. So if you like what you hear, that's one way that you can uh, help us out. Uh, and the other ways are, of course, writing those reviews and getting in touch. Yes, indeed. And uh, everything is, ta- well, tax deductible if you're an actor. You can write all these things off as an education expense. And, um, yeah, it just covers production expenses. We don't use any of that money and buy pizzas with it or anything like that. We actually put it all into an account that we use explicitly for inside acting-related right. expenses. Gas to and from the interviews, replacing equipment, server fees, things like that. So thank you very much for keeping us going. Those of you who do donate, um, whether it was a one-time donation or whether you are a patron of the podcast. And uh, we look forward to bringing you some more stuff very soon. And if you are a patron, you know who you are. And if you aren't and you want to see who is, you can check out the patron page on our website. Absolutely. All right. That does it then. Um, Wow. Cool. Episode 67. We're back, baby. We're back for episode 67. I'm Trevor Algar. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, be authentic. Be authentic.